Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Shizno for season 13. Episode 13. Not Shakespeare. I am Dimples. This week on Red vs. Blue, the simulation soldiers try to help the feds and news. Carolina gets advice from General Doyle, and Locus and Felix disagree about Sharkface. Helping Caboose to disappoint Tucker this week are Caden. So Caboose breaks into the canteen late at night and steals the last jar of peanut butter and spreads it all over Tucker's bunk and armor. And now all of the dogs keep licking at Tucker's armor when he's trying to fight. <laughs> they have dogs in chorus. They have freckles. <laughs> I don't think freckles can lick peanut butter, though. Church. Treating freckles like an actual dog, despite him being an AI inside an assault rifle. For example, taking him for a walk, giving him a bath, or teaching him tricks. <laughs> <laughs> because Shake went so well. Ilana. So how Caboose would remain forever in Tucker's disappointment would be he would take the wreck of Jensen's warthog, recreate Sheila, and use it to team kill Columbus. <laughs> Wouldn't that put him in good graces? Yeah, I was gonna say, I bet Tucker would love that. <laughs> but Tucker would be disappointed that he wouldn't have another person to be disappointed in. disappointed that he didn't kill Paloma. So, Caboose heard that the computers were eating through recon data really quickly, so he thought it must mean the computers were hungry. So, he wanted to fix the computers, and since he couldn't find somewhere to put the sandwich, he poured soup all over the computers instead, hoping that that would feed it. So when Tucker asked where he learned to fix the computers, Caboose turns to him and cries, I learned it watching you! <laughs> Shout out to drug PSAs in the 90s. Patrick. On one particular day in chorus, it's Caboose's job to look after the armory, and uh, the next day Tucker comes back to find that every single gun on chorus has been replaced, uh, its bullets have been replaced with confetti. Every single <laughs> gun. Because Caboose... He just thinks that's what goes in guns now. Like, it's just what he assumes bullets are. And daft prodigy. Caboose could try to comfort uh, some of the younger soldiers. Don't worry, all of us miss our friends at home sometimes. I miss my friend Sheila, and Tucker misses his favorite (laughs) rock. He used to read magazines to it every day, sometimes a few times a day. And they had lots of pictures of pretty people. Though not very many pictures of clothes. Oh, God. I feel scandalized. (laughs) Thoughts on the episode. It was really dark and had to hold my breath. Except it was during points. (laughs) That's the longest I've heard There were points during the whole conversation with Carolina and Epsilon that I was holding my breath. And when Locus turned to the counselor and asked, I actually... I could not breathe. I was freaking I out. It. it was, it was, it was yeah, pretty I, dark, actually. Yeah, you're right. The entire Carolina conversation, I found something different to cry out each time I saw it. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, what she I said about wait. Maine. Finally, after all of these weeks of her behaving so strangely and, you know, jumping back in her behavior, 
We have a really good reason why, and it's because she's so scared. Carolina needs a hug and a warm blanket and a cup of hot cocoa and to be told that everything is going yeah, to be okay. Yeah. And like, I feel like if anything were to happen to anyone, she would just blame it on herself. And that would feel even more bad. I have been waiting for several episodes now yeah. for this talk. Um, and I was really happy that it finally happened. And I was also happy that rather than like Wash coming in to talk to her, which we sort of agreed uh, a couple weeks ago would be kind of BS. Yeah. Um, Doyle came to talk to her instead. Sounds. Like our resident <laughs> expert on being afraid of things came to talk to the person who was like cripplingly afraid of things right now. Yeah, I really, I really liked it because it meant that Doyle actually did something. <laughs> okay, Doyle hater. I mean, you already did something. Yeah, yeah, Doyle. <laughs> Like, like one of the things about Doyle is that like he's he's useless in a fight, but he has good interpersonal skills, and like so it was good to see him put his interpersonal skills to use in like both being able to empathize with Carolina and tell her something about dealing with her fears that it didn't seem like Epsilon was able to do. Like Epsilon was like, "Oh, you can do this. You're Carolina, and you're the best." And Carolina was like. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it took Doyle yeah. to actually come on and, and, and kind of be more realistic it, about it, I guess. Sometimes leadership yeah. isn't about the ability to fight or carry a weapon or inspire troops in combat, so much as understanding where people are coming from and helping them get to where they need to go. And he was also exactly. a man who willingly put himself into danger, so he kind of knows about acting despite fear. Because he, to make mm -hmm. sure there were more soldiers to go help Kimball and Carolina, went to the temple and almost got himself killed so it's really interesting to see him acknowledging the fact that yes he's afraid but he does what he has to anyway a little something that had me a little worried about that conversation though was epsilon talking about carolina getting really close to being like the meta because of all of the enhancements mm. she wanted to use something about that struck me as kind of odd to me the meta like what's been depicted as making the meta the meta is all of the ai inside of it you know, working together to run a body and do a mission and being sort of monstrous and scary. Not that it had a lot of armor enhancements that it wasn't able to use all at once. Well, even before he had all the AI, it was like just Sigma. He was still, you know, completely insane. And so Sigma, like, had a, you know, he had to do with a lot of it. The only time the armor enhancements showed up as an issue was in season eight when they brought Doc along <laughs> in his wall. Like, and that's also what kind of, like, that's the only time that it came up, and that's what it made me think of. It also came up in 6. Yeah, like, when he didn't have the power. Yeah, yeah. The, the meta looking for power to run all of the suit enhancements that's has true. been a, it has been a, 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 a it's been we'll say a theme, but it's mostly been a limit to the meta's power rather than whatever made the meta yeah. the meta. Yeah. Um, at least that's the impression I've got. But I guess from 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 oh, the perspective yeah. of Epsilon, who is an AI, like he would mm -hmm. at least have, you know, when he hears the story of the meta and exactly what the meta is, as an AI, it's going to be his nature to sympathise with exactly what the AI were doing in that situation, which was running all of the equipment. You know, they were there basically because they had to. Um, not maybe it wasn't why they were there, but what they were doing while they were, you know, in the meta's armour was running all of that shit for him. So, um, mm -hmm. uh, Epsilon 
knows, you know, very well his capabilities, and I guess from his perspective, he knows what can happen if he exceeds those. Might I also mm-hmm. suggest that you have this guy, this main who becomes the meta, who ultimately becomes the product of what he is capable of due to these enhancements and the AI running these enhancements. He becomes a vehicle for the weaponry and modifications put into the armor, while the personality of the original person of Maine may or not still be may or may not still be there. And so Epsilon may see this dependence of Carolina on um, these enhancements and stuff as putting less value on herself and her worth and more on this technology. Because that's kind of what he's saying when he says, you're Asian Carolina, you're the best, you don't need this stuff. You know, that's kind of, you know, it's what he means, I guess. Back to the whole 90s drug (laughs) Just say no to armor enhancements. I learned it from watching the meta. (laughs) I feel like Carolina blames herself for a lot of what the meta ended up Mm. doing. Like, she has a lot of stuff that she needs to get over, but I feel like this conversation where she has finally broached the subject um, will help her to move forward. And maybe Epsilon will stop poking her um, wounds to try to get her to fi- get shit. the fact that he crashed. Well, well yes. here's the thing about that, because yes. he says at the very beginning of that conversation, he says, you know, I'm not failing, if that's what you're... Yeah, but we don't know with. if he's actually telling he the says, truth. He says, <laughs> and, and he's pretty much like, he might as well just turn to the camera and say, listen, fandom, I'm, I'm not... You guys all think I'm, I'm turning rampant or I'm dying or whatever, and I know I said that in the trailer, but actually everything's fine. Uh, <laughs> my nosebleed and my persistent cough <laughs> and my fainting spells, they're all completely yeah. unrelated. But he I says am it almost fine. as a throwaway thing, which makes me think that it, you know, I mean, why would he lie about that exactly? Well, he's making it into a joke, too. He's deflecting with the joke of doing the, you know, I'm getting kind of old, you know, playing yeah, the whole not a brand new AI. ED. <laughs> yeah, just give, give me some AI Viagra and I'll be fine. Uh, I promise, baby, this never happens to me. Like, it's kind of an awkward thing to joke about with your sister. Do you guys, but, do you guys uh... think he's, he's like, he's just making light to deflect away from, from the reality of that situation? Yeah, he's obviously in denial. Yes. I, I, I feel, I feel like he is, it, only time will tell whether he actually is or not, but, um, they've, they've been dangling this, is church failing, is church dying, and it's a thing that will need to be addressed by something more than church or Epsilon going, yeah, I'm fine, don't worry about me, I'm fine. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> How can the guys get the feds and news working together? It's the idea about Doc that they were, you know, touching on. Um, Donut. Donut's gonna throw them a party, Mm -hmm. because you know how good he is at that. (laughs) Lots of food, and he's gonna plan some bonding activities for them all to do together. And they're all gonna hate the bonding activities so much they bond. (laughs) Nobody wants to stretch their hammocks. (laughs) I smell naked twister. I don't want to smell that. Perhaps Donut will uh, will finally get to use his safe word. It's chrysanthemum. Really long safe word. Just saying. It's one of the things I think gets overlooked in this show. Donut's safe word is chrysanthemum. Well, 
Um, I think they could have uh, some of the some of their little red and blue group dress up as feds, and some of the other ones dress up as news, and just walk around acting like friends. And when that <laughs> inevitably fails, they can have Simmons and Griff play out Romeo oh and Juliet scenario with the Capu feds and the Monta news. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, who's who's who though? Who is who? Be a Franklin Delano donut production. No. Oh, so God. Simmons is definitely Ju- <laughs> Juliet. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. And Griff yes. is Romeo. Um, and then the feds and news will eventually unite <laughs> under their mutual annoyance at the reds and blues trying to get them to be friends. Yeah, that is really the only way this is going to work. <laughs> I hate Shakespeare! Wa- so wouldn't, do wouldn't I! Wash was doing a pretty good job with the training and, you know, the group punishment. I think I think Sartre would be all over the Romeo and Juliet plant uh, once he hears that they both die at the end of the, the play. <laughs> 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 He'll be the the fryer that helps them. (laughs) He'll give give Griff actual poison (laughs) to drink. (laughs) Oh, happy dagger. In fair harmonia, our story begins. (laughs) I think more more, more seriously, I think that the the heart of this problem is with the the heads of the armies. It's with Vanessa Kimball and and Don Doyle. We've seen seen the way that... um, the, the, the feds react to Kimball. We haven't seen how the New Republic reacts to, to Doyle, which is kind of um, something I'd like to see at some point, but we have seen how Kimball reacts to Doyle, and we know that those were not exactly mm-hmm. civil. Um, perhaps what mm-hmm. I think I think the key is probably going to be getting those two working together so they can present a unified front to, to the rest of their army. And, again, I and you know what they can work together on? Hmm? We need literal meat shields for Doyle. I think the armies might bond over this because if Doyle dies, everybody dies. I think though that Patrick has a really important point in that it makes me think of um, the US Army. Like, when you lay down the law, you fucking lay down the law. So if the two of them can get their shit together and present that united front, then the people beneath them will have pretty much no choice but to really kind of patch up their yeah. differences. But because Kimball and Doyle cannot get their shit together, it's not I working. I think patch up their differences mm. is a bit of a stretch, but work together probably. I mean, these people are on ideologically different sides of a war that was leading them to genocide on their own. It's a civil war, but working together mm. against an outside foe, I think it's totally possible if these two just get their yeah. shit together. It, it, it might be, um, so we've had two, uh, two scenes, um, at, and Nereal pointed this out, we've had two scenes where, um, the leader of the faction goes and talks to the teal one at their favorite thinking spot. Um, so maybe Tucker needs to talk to Kimball and Carolina needs to talk to Doyle. Um, because they've they've both sort of had those meaningful talks that can give them some sense of personal connection. Um, and Tucker and Carolina can bring Doyle and Kimball together to talk things out. Or the mm-hmm. other way around, since Kimball, since uh, Carolina has gotten to see this deeper side of Doyle and Tucker has gotten to see this mm-hmm. other side to Kimball, have them cross the line, as it were. Yeah, like... Like you haven't you haven't talked to Doyle like I've talked to Doyle. He helped me when I was scared. You know, he didn't know where that quote he quoted came from. But the you know, you know, it wasn't Shakespeare. And then we have more pictures with different teal ones talking to the commanders. Begin lightning round. What are some other favorite thinking spots of the feds and news? 
Well, I think Kimball's uh, Kimball's spot down by the lake uh, after her progress last season has become so popular that I think Bitters have started uh, <laughs> renting out space along the lakeside. I mean, like, he's, he's selling like half-hour tickets for people to go down there and, and have epiphanies of their own. So I think there's probably hundreds of feds in you. It's just all like lining the lake. Yeah, man. They say like the glowing algae is like <laughs> super hypnotic. Yeah, man. It gets you in the mood. <laughs> Bitters, are you selling something other than tickets down here? <laughs> Aloe vera. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's selling cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that's really great. Palomo doesn't tend to partake of that. He he finds the best place to do some serious thinking is down in the lavatories. You know, while reading a good magazine. <laughs> what? Those field rashes just back him up a bit. Jeez! <laughs> Tucker's got a rock, Paloma's got a stall. <laughs> <laughs> Griff's thinking spot would be the kitchen, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matthews likes to follow him in there <laughs> and try and take his food. <laughs> Griff hasn't noticed yet, but... <laughs> Matthews is creeping. <laughs> okay, I think that Jensen's thinking spot would be the warthog as long as she doesn't put it into drop. <laughs> I bet it's a panic spot. She just sits there, listens to the radio. Keep it in park, honey. <laughs> doesn't touch it in any other way. And in that moment, I remembered I drive like Jensen. So I think that some of the uh, soldiers like to go visit the three-headed cabbage patch, though those who visit it too often generally end up thinking in the med bay instead. <laughs> There's a music room, and a couple of the low-level feds and news like to hang out there and pretend they live in Harmonia. Yes! (laughs) Thank you! Yeah, the other one was when Bitters and Jensen are not hanging out at their already respective places, they have this cliff that overlooks the city that they like to hang out at together, and they get philosophical and ask things like, do you ever wonder why we're here? (laughs) No, never, December 5. <laughs> Sorry, bitters. I already talked to Griff about that the other day. <laughs> that was a spot-on Jensen impression. That, that was beautiful. <laughs> that was pretty great. Now, now just do it tiny. <laughs> Sorry, bitters. I already had that same conversation with Griff the other day. Aww. Okay, we need tiny Jensen, tiny Locust conversation. <laughs> what are some other quotes that Doyle misremembers? A journey of a thousand kilometers begins with a single foot. A one third of a meter. <laughs> I believe it was William. Wait, why am I doing an accent? It's, it's my accent. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was William Shakespeare who said, Time is not made out of lines. Time is made out of circles. That is why clocks are right. <laughs> Wibbly wobbly time whiny. <laughs> so Doyle has always held one piece of poetic advice near and dear to his heart. Gather ye rosebuds while it's May. He doesn't get what the time of year has to do with anything, but he's always felt that Shakespeare was truly a master of words. (laughs) (laughs) The only one that comes to mind is Julius Caesar. Et tu, oh fuck, no. What really should have been Caesar's last words. Oh fuck. You son of a! (laughs) (laughs) Even though he was a traitor to the British cause, 
Doyle has always held George Washington's words near and dear to his heart. Do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> I want, can I steal a line from, from Muriel's Tumblr? I believe it was the, uh, the great William Shakespeare who said, Take yourself and fuck yourself with yourself. <laughs> so it's the rule of three, you know? The great rhetoric device. How did the Blood Gulch guys die in Carolina's vision? So, nothing serious. Griff just gets blown up a little by a tank, and Simmons is pummeled by a super soldier. Sarge tries to fight a mounted turret with his face while he's pinned. Donut gets blown up. And then, you know, Caboose is shot with a sniper rifle by Wyoming. Tucker is stabbed to death by Felix. Not like any of that could ever happen, right? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch as fuck, Caboose. <laughs> I can't even drink my own water. I need a, I need a moment. Can, can we take a break? I, <laughs> can we? Caboose somehow accidentally kills them all, and then some, somehow manages to manages to accidentally kill himself after that. I was so helpful. A whole army of tanks. She didn't mention Caboose in, in her list uh, of, of people that had died. Maybe it was Caboose that killed them all. Sarge was aiming for Griff but he hit Simmons instead. <laughs> no! What oh. you say? Caboose dies because Carolina doesn't take the toaster away from him while he's on his way to the bathtub. <laughs> Griff dies from the other Little Debbie cream pie he had hidden away. And Wash leaps away from an out-of-control car that's barreling toward him and then leaps straight off a cliff. <laughs> I expected leaping into another car, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're a road agent, Washington. That's why cars hate you. That's what you get for being gray with yellow stripes. <laughs> no, you know It's dangerous. <laughs> I think I know how Sarge dies. In slow motion. What other insults did Felix consider and discard for Sharkface? Shark meat because I was thinking about Fallout at the time. Dog meat. I was like... Shark meat sounds like a nickname. <laughs> Shark meat. <laughs> Tartar sauce breath. <laughs> um, I had a seafood special. I had <laughs> future bowl of fin soup. Oh. <laughs> I had Little Mermaid and red. <laughs> <laughs> I also had Nemo, Shark Week, Sweet Cheeks, and Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> Firecracker roll. <laughs> Shark facet. <laughs> Ephemera. Because he's not going to be there long. <laughs> <laughs> Red Lobster. <laughs> Lightning round complete. Why is Locus asking for more information about the meta? Okay, so I've got a theory that matches Dad's level of, of theories. Caden's got and a theory. Caden's <laughs> got a theory. And it's that one of our team of four baddies is going to betray the rest of them to mirror Felix's betrayal. And it's not Sharkface because he went and worked with the freelancers. It's not Felix because he's Felix. And it's not Aiden because he hasn't 
had enough screen time to be a big player. So it would have to be Locus. So I'm, I'm really hoping, in my heart of hearts, that Locus goes not evil. I wouldn't say good. But goes not evil and tries to prevent the meta from happening again. Oh, so you think that Locus is similarly worried about Carolina and or Epsilon becoming the meta um, as Epsilon is. You don't think Locus is trying to help our friends. I think that he is looking for ways to hurt Wash back. Um, so, because learning about how Wash fought the meta, um, Wash eventually killed the meta by going against the orders of his superiors and setting off the EMP. Um, and, you know, Wash had that dig against Locus of, oh, you're not a soldier, you're just a killer. And if Locus can go, you wanted the meta dead, even though those weren't your orders. Did you enjoy it? Did you kill the meta just because you could? Because you wanted to see it die? You're not a soldier either, Wash. You're a killer just like me. I want this and so hard. And use that to demoralize him. Oh, gosh. And it's so Gap strikes. <laughs> I want this. I, I, I've got to say, I, I, I have a, a, a similar theory, but I think it's slightly differently motivated. Um, I think we actually have to uh, take Locus at his word for a lot of things, because Locus... F Felix, like, fucks around a lot. Felix, like... You can never take him at his word. Not only because he, you know, lies a lot, but also because he, he plays tricks with language and he, he uh, likes to show off and, and be flowery with his language. Locus is basically the opposite of that. Locus means, I think, means every single thing he says. Um, uh, you know, and that could be in a slightly twisted way, but, but I think he's pretty much the kind of person that we have to take at face value. Um, and Locus considers himself a weapon. And we've already heard from the chairman that the the, the the meta suit that he's that he's got, you know, up and running, or almost up and running, is gonna be a is gonna turn somebody into a one man weapon. Um, and that seems like for Locus, that would be that would be, you know, the ultimate goal, right? So so um, but but actually I think this um, I my, the end of my theory kinda ties in with Cadence, um, where where uh, the idea of Locus betraying um, the, the others. Um, again, taking Locus at his, at his face value, I'm not sure he's evil per se. He's just very aggressively neutral and will do what he can, you know, because he's on a, because he's on a certain side, he will, he will do his, his orders, right? Uh, but, but very much unlike Felix or, 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 or um, Sharkface, he's not exactly, or even Price, he's not exactly motivated by much else. So it seems like when he uh, uh, becomes the, the living weapon that the chairman's boasting about, when he becomes, uh, for lack of a better word, it's not quite right, but when he becomes the meta, um, uh, th there's a lot of control that, that will happen there that I think will make him realise, kind of snap out of that, and realise that he doesn't have to take orders anymore. Uh, that he doesn't have to do what people say because uh, he's not a he's not a uh, he's not even a person anymore. He's a weapon. And then Locus fucks shit up. 
Uh, he might not necessarily fuck shit up in, in, in exactly the way that the, the, the reds and blues would like, but I think he's going to fuck shit up in a way that the, uh, the, the space pirates will definitely not like. <laughs> and that's what matters. I actually kind of want to build on that whole idea of the perfect weapon thing. Uh, it comes in a lot with what I was thinking with this, which is, in a lot of ways, Main, as part of the meta, as this guess, uh, gestalt enemy, he had this one goal. It was a goal he worked toward with a single-minded intensity. A goal that almost killed Carolina, almost killed Wash twice, and almost killed the Reds and Blues a lot. And here you have Locus with this job, which is to take out these people, to stop these people, and to complete his mission. And right there beyond him is this source of information about this what he may see as a perfect weapon. He just wants to finish the perfection and instead of almost killing all of these people, actually do it. Yeah, uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is how Locus took the name of his armor and has sort of taken on his armor as his identity. And recently he's had some experiences that have communicated to him that his current identity isn't very valid. Um, the Gateway told him he was not a true warrior. Wash told him he wasn't a soldier, just a killer. Um, and it's possible that in looking for a new suit of armor, he's looking for a new identity. Um, and what I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually expecting that when Locus gets into the main suit, he's gonna start snarling and looking for AI. I think that when Locus gets into that suit, he's gonna realize he doesn't feel any different. Well, uh, the other thing we've got to keep in mind here when we're talking about the, the, the meta suit or, or the new suit of armor that's coming is that there's going to be an AI supposedly running that thing. And we don't yet know what that AI is going to be. I mean, I know current theory is it's either Santa, Santa or Felix. Because uh, appar apparently Felix is an AI now? What's up with that? I, I missed that bit. <laughs> I have a crackpot theory that Felix <laughs> is beautiful. An AI, um, and it is mostly based upon the fact that um, during Felix's big bad speech um, in season 12, episode 10, or yeah, episode 10, um, he's like, oh yeah, look at all these times I've jumped in front of bullets and uh, blocked them at the last moment with my shield. That's some pretty impressive reflexes, isn't it? It's almost like I'd have to plan that sort of thing. But he's done it without having to plan it too, meaning that he has really impressive reflexes anyway. I can see Felix um, potentially being uh, an AI who is pretending to be a real boy. <laughs> he wants to know, I guess, what the meta was like because he wants to, I guess, live up to what the meta was. He wants to kind of be more like the meta because of what we know, everything that's happened, he thinks that he's not good enough anymore. The meta was so powerful and had such a singular purpose. You run Agent Carolina. We are the meta. We will find you very soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if Locus gets into the meta suit and is like, I am not Locus, I am the meta, and, and Wash and Carolina are there, oh, they are going to freak out. There's, there's going to be fighting and they'll maybe they'll try to remind Locus of, you know, that putting on a new suit of armor doesn't make you a different person and, and uh, you know, there will be philosophical arguments while they throw punches. Why was Locus so quick to stop Felix from trying to kill Sharkface? Because I am a professional and that is not what professionals do. That's my, that's my Locus impression. It's not as good as my Sarge impression, I gotta be honest with you. Locus impressions are different. <laughs>
And when they're done poorly, they're very unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunate. Unfortunate. The, the truth is, I, I'm pretty sure the, the Locus is just, like you, like you were saying before, actually, um, Locus is just trying to get the job done as fast as possible, uh, which it's kind of always been his MO, but uh, he seems especially uh, motivated to get this job done so he can get to that suit of armor as quickly as possible. Fact is, Felix and Sharkface at each other's throats is really not helping. Uh, so he's doing his best to, I guess, kind of take control again. Uh, and, and he's kind of lost control a little over the last couple episodes, um, starting with the vision, you know? Yeah, yeah. I did find it interesting that in trying to wrest control back of the situation, he stepped in front of Felix's gun for Sharkface and took Sharkface's side in the argument and called Sharkface a partner, which Felix didn't like. So the clear answer here is that there are tensions in the bedroom. Trouble in Honeymoon Land. I, I um, am getting a little concerned that in that Locus is taking this, I, you're not a soldier, you're just a killer line pretty hard. He's looking at the people he's currently working with and he's going, Felix, killer. Sharkface, soldier. Mm. Sharkface has been hired to kill the freelancers, yes, but he also has a deeper purpose for wanting them dead, which is restitution for the damage that Project Freelancer inflicted on his family. So maybe Locus sees something compelling there, some some cause to fight for, to make him a soldier that Felix doesn't have. Felix just likes killing. Felix kills for the joy of killing. He doesn't even kill for the money. He just, he likes the feeling of power. If he's faster than you and he's smarter than you, then he can kill you. And that is better than anything money can buy. Which Locus has never liked. Mine just completely veers off with, no, he doesn't like him, but the quote of, we need all the men we can get. I'm like, I feel bad. I didn't get this psychoanalysis in there. Psychoanalysis for everyone. And here's another. Of the three of them, Sharkface did his job. He completed his mission. Locus didn't. Felix didn't. Sure, Locus held Crash Eye Alpha. He deployed their new weapon of the pirates effectively. But in the end, both of them ultimately failed. Felix by failing to kill Doyle so that the sword works, and Locus by failing to kill the Reds and Blues and Wash. And so, when you throw on top of that a dash of a bit of that paranoid reaction he had coming out from Santa's simulation, and how quick he was to threaten Felix then, not to mention how he reacted to the simulated Felix itself, and heap on top of that all of the incentive of the meta armor, which wasn't offered to Sharkface and thus removes him as a rival, Locus may see Sharkface as a tool he needs to gain what he desires. If fish stick is a tool, then Felix is an obstacle. <laughs> Don't make me laugh, I'm almost done. What he needs is a weapon, is the weapon that Sharkface represents to watch his back as he attempts to, once and for all, reach true soldierhood, which Felix is so motivated by revenge and just hatred of these people, he can't really think logically and get the job done. And and, and he wants the suit just because he thinks it'll be cool. That's what Felix kind of, that's what we got the sense of from Felix when he saw the meta suit. He was like, mm, yeah. Oh, look at all the people I'll be able to kill with this. Imagine the looks on their fucking faces. I mean, Locus definitely thinks that Felix doesn't deserve that, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, what what is Felix, what, what virtue does Felix have that makes him worthy of it? 
Lucas also has no reason, and I know this may be a stretch, but he has no reason to trust Felix. Felix is totally out for himself and only himself. So if he's trying, if he's taking that comment to heart, like you said, Dab, he might be trying to think more like a soldier again and thinking about teamwork and the objectivity of the mission, which would automatically side him with Sharkface over Felix. Yeah, I mean, Felix, Felix and Locus have been working together for a really long time, but it is, it has been made clear, and Felix has said so explicitly, that they don't like each other. They work with each other out of necessity, and because they've worked together for so long. Um, maybe the only reason they, they're currently working together is because Locus doesn't feel like he has any other options, and now a new option has presented itself. With flamethrowers. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Sharkface does also have flamethrowers, yes. <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Bond over armor identification and Batman villainous. Locus isn't looking to side up with Sharkface just because Sharkface is cooler than Felix is. Um, it might just be that, you know, Sharkface has, uh, is their only effective weapon uh, so far. And Locus doesn't want to lose that advantage just because Felix has a hot head and an itchy trigger finger. Unlike Felix, Locus actually recognizes, I guess, like how important Sharkface is to like their mission. And so I guess he wants to keep him, you know, at least until they're successful. The counselor did did find this guy for us, Felix. He he is here to help us out and to demoralize Carolina. We need him. He will still be killable later. Maybe he's trying to motivate Felix by not having Felix as his number one anymore. Oh, he's making Felix feel threatened. Because that would force Felix to be better than Sharkface, to faster than Sharkface, and... To kill Sharkface? Next episode, Felix gets flamethrowers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks go out to Caden, Church, Ilana, Cherbusanon, Patrick, and Daft Prodigy. Produced by Daft Prodigy, Rain Zero, Nereal, and Dooms. Congratulations to last week's trivia winner, Master Jericho. You have won a Steam game. This week's trivia question is, which member of Blue Team is colorblind? Send your answer with the subject line episode 13 trivia to shiznofeedback at gmail.com s-h-i-z-n-o feedback at gmail.com The Shizno It is statistically probable that we are doing something right. Do you think Tucker's found a new rock on Chorus? I hope not. <laughs> I, I hope so, for his own sake. That seems to be the only thing holding him together. Come on, you know he's just hitting on everything and anything that moves, including the fungus. I want to I hold on to this moment for the what are the other thinking spots. <laughs> oh, God. Wow, that took no. me like a whole 30 seconds to process what you were saying and you really get it. Oh, jeez. Oh, dear. The rock is the thinking spot. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, though it's it's a different brain that he's thinking with. Oh. He's using his head. Character development. I just hit my laptop. In tribute to Doyle.
<laughs> it's important, don't you see? <laughs> Pounds laptop. This is some good shit. <laughs> right there, right there. I learned it from watching the main. The main. <laughs> fuck. fuck up my punchline. The main. The meta. Don't be mean. Christ. Everyone, everyone, yeah. everyone, figure. Listen, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do that again. All right. It's... I learned it from all watching right. the meta. No, it's no, mean. It's fine, don't worry about it. It's no. funny the first time. Yeah. Rain, edit that one in. You he sounded. Like... You sounded so offended. Like, what are you doing here? He stuck his thumb up. He gave me a thumbs up right in front of my face after I finished. Do you bite your thumb at me? No, I do not bite my thumb at you, sir. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.